Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 22nd ever show of All Around Sports. Live from the city of champions, Boston, Massachusetts. Where each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. Well, after a week of nonstop rain, the sun is finally coming out and turning into a beautiful summer into fall New England day. But unfortunately, it's the type of perfect September day that for the past 10 years always makes me think of 9 11. It's a particularly gloomy day here in Boston and mood, uh, since, as we all know, Logan Airport is here, is where some of the planes took off from that fateful day. We all have our personal remembrances of 9-11, and mine are many. The first that comes to mind is that a good friend that day was on his way to catch American Airlines Flight 11 at Logan Airport, but he got caught in horrible traffic, and he called on the way in to successfully switch his flight with the airlines. But nobody knew he had done so. So everyone went through the entire day assuming he was on Flight 11 that struck the World Trade Center. It was only that evening when his shortened flight landed in the Midwest, when all other flights over America came down that evening. And it was then that he had his first chance to call his family and colleagues and inform them that he had not been on Flight 11 Needless to say, this has become a very well-known story here in Boston, uh, and I had a very strong personal connection to that. Another remembrance was a day-long rumor that a father here in my suburban town of Medfield, Massachusetts, had been on one of the flights, and we only found out late that night that that was not true. And I also learned... uh, that morning that one of my neighbors on my very street had flown into Reagan National in D.C. that morning. And so he was in Washington when the Pentagon was hit. And needless to say, there were some very, very nervous moments uh, in our neighborhood that morning and throughout that day. And finally, Flight 93 that uh, crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, it came down in a field uh, less than an hour from where I grew up. So I know the very area of Shanksville very, very well. And as a constant reminder for me of 9-11 and how it still haunts me and, and every American, uh, 
It turns out that some of the terrorists stayed at a Boston-area hotel the night before boarding their planes at Logan. And I pass by this hotel, which is 15 minutes from my home, on a regular basis, and I never, ever pass without thinking of that day. So hard to believe it has been 10 years, but they were always all Americans who perished that day will always be in our thoughts and prayers. But of course, for all of us, life has, got, life has gone on, which for me means doing this radio show. So to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. So as always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I would discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news, as well as take you inside my event of the week that I attended, the spectacular Deutsche Bank Championship that I covered last weekend. Well, not surprisingly, my highlight of the week is last night's kickoff game for the NFL, with the Green Bay Packers beating the New Orleans Saints 42-34 in an exhilarating offensive shootout that went down to the final play. The game was played right on schedule, making the lockout seem like some kind of a bad dream. So here we are now. We're into kickoff weekend, and uh, nothing could be finer than that. This week's low light for me was Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly screaming uncontrollably on the sidelines during the Irish's dismal loss to South Florida last week. I have a memory of him doing this uh, when he was head coach at Cincinnati. Um, so I can't say I was totally surprised. And to his credit, he acknowledged uh, this week that he's on TV much more now. So he has to get it under control, start, and he has to start tomorrow night in prime time at the big house in Michigan. And if not, his temper could be his undoing, since I truly can't imagine the good fathers at Notre Dame would ever allow Kelly, if he continues this screaming, to literally be the face of the Golden Dome. And my bizarre sports story of the week is the uh, Maryland uniforms unveiled on Labor Day night in the win against Miami. But a good bazaar, not a bad bazaar. Uh, I thought the Under Armour unis were basically uh, terrific. They're the Maryland State flag. And I have always liked the Maryland State flag because my sister has lived uh, in Maryland for decades. And so I've been grown up seeing that state flag on the Maryland license plates. And, uh, and I just love the new new unis. I know there's a lot of people out there who do not like them. They've been a source of controversy all week. But I also like the uh, the colorful Oregon uniforms and all the other ones that are suddenly uh, showing up in college stadiums around the country. And frankly, I hope the trend continues. Now, on to my previously mentioned event of the week that I covered, which was the riveting Deutsche Bank Golf Championship at nearby TPC Boston in Norton, Massachusetts, which was the second stop in the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's the only tournament that ends on a Monday, and on Monday evening, Labor Day, this tournament went to sudden death. And I spent six of the seven days out there last week. And uh, so on the final day, I picked up the leaders at the 14th hole on Monday. And uh, so I personally witnessed every significant shot in the tournament. And there were many. 
from Chaz Reeves' long birdie putt on 16 to take a seemingly insurmountable two-stroke lead with two holes to go. To winner, Webb Simpson's clutch 20-footer on 18th hole to cut Reeves' lead to one stroke and keep the pressure on. And pressure it was as Reeves uh, then shockingly overshot the 18th green from 120 yards. The ball just landed uh, a couple yards to my left of where I was on the 18th. And it led to just an unbelievable bogey, and it set up the playoff. Being there in person on the 18th green, everybody knew immediately the tournament had been decided on that shot. But to Reeves' credit, he actually walked off the 18th green where I was standing, uh, and he had a big smile on his face. So obviously he was feeling the pressure, but at least he wasn't showing it, so I give him credit for that. But in the end, two holes later, it was Webb Simpson who was really smiling after winning the sudden death playoff. And here's what he had to say moments after his victory. Yeah, um, it's been a whirlwind of uh, a few weeks. This is my fourth term in a row. And, um, you know, I missed a cut of the PGA and then won Greensboro, my first one ever. And hadn't really had time to reflect on that because the playoffs started. Um, and so I don't really know uh, what to think right now. But, um, you know, I'm certainly thankful for, for the chance to win and, and having to you know, being able to finish the round with birdie and then birdie first two holes in the playoff was, um, was truly awesome. Um, and, you know, to be at number one in the FedEx Cup with two weeks to go, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't expect anything more. Um, and, you know, the, the goal for us is to be in the top five going into Atlanta. And looks like I'm in a good position to do that. So I'm thrilled. And here's what Webb had to say about uh, my previously mentioned Chaz Reavy putt. On the 16th hole. I didn't know uh, that he birdied 16 until I was on the green on 18. I was reading my putt and I glanced at the leaderboard. Um, and I saw he was at 16 and just gave me more more reason to try to make it. Um, and then, you know, to, to make that putt, I thought that putt in regulation might come up like an inch short, but it kept rolling out. And um, when it went in, it was pretty exciting. But I knew it, it was still a long shot, but, um, you know, I, was, I felt pretty lucky to get in the playoff. And after Chaz Reavy come off the 18th hole, but before the playoff began, uh, he and Simpson had a bit of a chat, and here were Webb's comments on that. You know, Chaz is a friend. Um, he's a great guy, one of the best guys on tour. Um, so he was, you know, really complimentary of me. And uh, we were just, you know, wishing each other luck and uh, made the best man win. So after a big victory like that, his second on the tour, how will uh, Webb Simpson relax? My wife and I and little boy are going to go home tonight, um, and we're going to just probably do nothing for a few days. And then I'm actually going to find her with some buddies. Um, this coming weekend, we do it once a year, and we're going to play some golf. So um, certainly we'll relax the next few days because we're playing a lot, you know, next weekend. How am I eating celery? Well, Pinehurst sounds pretty good to me, and uh, here's Webb talking about how he, frankly, needs a week off. That was, of course, his reference to going to Wendy's after uh, <clears throat> he won his first tournament a few weeks back and deciding between Wendy's and McDonald's last Monday for, the, uh, for after his victory in the Deutsche Bank. So here's, uh, here's Webb again on uh, further discussion about his winning streak. You know, it helped me for sure, um, but I told somebody last week that, 
or maybe even early this week, that I feel like next time I was in contention, it'll be a lot easier than Greensboro, and it wasn't that way at all. It was just, just as hard. Um, the shots and the putts were just as hard. I, I think it helped just calm me down a little, but, um, you know, it, it, was, it was like I never won a golf tournament before. So that's Webb talking about his first victory two weeks ago and basically how all of a sudden he's been improving his game. Tell you, um, I'm not taking any illegal drugs or anything. Um, but, you know, we just uh, made a change last year with a workout regimen. I hired uh, Back Nine Fitness Service. Back Nine Fitness Services, and uh, they've been great. My caddy, Paul Tessor, is, um, you know, he's taught me a ton of my golf swing, my golf game, how to uh, hit certain shots. And, um, you know, everybody around me has been great. My wife, my coach, my family, uh, just helping me stay positive. And, you know, we, we got a process that we're doing. Um, I don't care what, you know, other guys are doing. We want to do what we know how to do, whether it works or not. Um, I got caught up a little bit last year as what everybody else is doing. And, um, you know, we want to focus on what we're doing and, and, and try to just uh, perfect that as much as we can. Web two. And Webb burned up the back nine with his putter, and uh, which is why he won the tournament, uh, sinking numerous, numerous uh, eight-footers or thereabouts to uh, when he really needed them to get pars and or birdies. But he uses a belly putter, currently all the rage on the PGA Tour, and here's what he had to say about the belly putter. I, uh, the freshman year at Wake Forest, I was down in Pinehurst. This is 2004. And I'm with my family down there, and belly putters are, you know, not many guys are using them, but I had an inconsistent first semester of wing putting, and so I tried to, uh, you know, to see if there's anything else out there. And I tried the belly putter, honestly, as a joke. I thought in my head I'll never use this thing, but I took it out of the putting green, I made everything, and then I went on the course with my dad and putted really well. And, um, you know, the only hesitation was I knew when I got back to campus, my teammates would probably make fun of me, but. I went, I went back and, um, you know, they saw me putting with it and I actually got Kyle Rikers, who, who was two years older. He was kind of making fun of me, but he saw me putt with it and then he switched and then he won his first costume a couple weeks later. Um, and so that, that was kind of how it started and the way I do it, I just anchor kind of in the top, top left corner of my belly button. Um, I'll put a cross hand in it because I think it releases the ball or releases the putter head a little easier. And um, Other than that, I, I hadn't changed a whole lot. And, of course, winning uh, PGA tournaments in the new FedEx Cup playoff format means money, big money. And here's what Webb had to say about uh, all of a sudden the riches he's starting to gather. You know, we're so fortunate uh, on the tour to play for the kind of money that we do. Um, but, you know, the joy I get from what I do is not in the money. It's just, you know, it's getting in playoffs. It's, making big putts when I need to, and so I don't really think about it that much. Um, it's certainly an added bonus, but, um, you know, I think I speak for the tour that we do it, you know, for the thrill of, of trying to win and trying to become better players. And lastly, from Webb, uh, he has a goal to be the best, and here are his thoughts on becoming the best. Well, you know, the goal um, that I set out to accomplish is to be, you know, one of the best players in the world, if not the best. Um, but, you know, I, I don't set uh, results or result-oriented goals for myself. Um, I just try to get up every day and, and do the most I can to improve my game. Um, so I do feel comfortable um, near the top, and, you know, I want to, you know, expect that I can 
you know, I can play with the guys who are the best players in the world. Fortunately, right now, um, things are going well for me, but I know this is a fickle game. And I know that there's ups and downs, and I'm sure I'll have, you know, a time where it's not going near as well, and it won't be as easy, but, um, you know, just all I really try to do is keep improving. So there you have it. Webb Simpson's comments moments after winning the Deutsche Bank championship and to go to shoot to the top of the uh, FedEx Cup as they head down the stretch in their uh, final two tournaments coming up here. And uh, a likable fellow, to be sure, and a worthy winner, absolutely. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And on the other side, we'll talk a little more golf. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which gets to me through my website of www.iirsports.com. And uh, it's typically that time of the show when we have guests join us, but uh, and that's coming later. But today, uh, given the great information I gathered at uh, covering the Deutsche Bank Championship. Uh, I have a little more audio that I gathered over the weekend. And uh, we all just heard Webb Simpson on the first segment talk about uh, the spoils of victory, shall we say. But for uh, all the winners, there's also losers. And on Sunday, uh, at the end of the third round, the leader was Bubba Watson. And I sat in on Bubba's press conference moments after he came off the 18th hole on Sunday, day three. And here was Bubba's thoughts on being the Sunday leader and uh, how it affects his nerves. No, uh, I'm just as nervous. My, my, my dream always in life was to uh, be a professional golfer um, and to make putts to win the golf tournament or hopefully four jackets to win the golf tournament. But... You know, so, yeah, I'm nervous. I mean, I have a thrill of playing the game. I want to get great shots. I want to be the best in the game. I want to win every tournament. Um, it doesn't work out that way. Nobody in history has ever won every tournament. So we get nervous. Everybody in the market be nervous. Even if they lie, if they're not nervous, they're still nervous. And if they're not nervous, they're probably not. But less nervous, I guess. 
Well, as you just heard, you can certainly can't accuse Bubba of being uh, overconfident as he headed into the final round uh, on Monday, being the leader. And his final words that day were rather foreboding as he used that dreaded five-letter word that uh, all sports athletes dread uh, as he left the press conference. I just, I deal with it differently, you know. Now I've already got a win, so if I choke tomorrow, I still got three other wins to look at. <laughs> Bubba, we appreciate- so there you have it from Bubba, and needless to say, uh, Monday was not his best day. He went over par. He was out of it pretty much uh, by the middle of the front nine, and uh, it just basically went downhill from there. But uh, one of the really interesting things about uh, TPC Norton, TPC Boston in Norton, Massachusetts, where the tournament has now been held eight years in a row, and I've been to every single one of them. Uh, The 16th hole is a par three over the water, where more often than not, the tournament is decided. It's often where I usually go, especially on the final day, and... What I really like about it is it's exa- it reminds me so much of the 16th hole at Augusta National for the Masters. I had the good fortune of being attending a practice round at the Masters in 2009. So I got to see the famed 16th hole over the water, uh, the same hole where Tiger put the famous shot in where the Nike logo just spilled at the last second into the cup. And... Uh, and so it's just really uh, just a tremendous hole and, uh, again, makes the Deutsche Bank course truly one of the best. But why listen to me on this when you can hear it direct from Adam Scott? Aesthetically, it's two different golf courses completely. Uh, I think uh, Gil and Brad Paxson, I believe, who also helped out here, did great work and turned it into, like I said, one of the best courses we play all year. Um, it's a pleasure to play this golf course. And one, another one of the uh, leaders heading into the last two tournaments for the FedEx Cup, uh, someone I referenced last week is uh, Dustin Johnson, who had uh, what I'll call for him a representative round, but uh, representative tournament. But two weeks ago, he, of course, won the Barclays down in New Jersey, the Hurricane Shorten Barclays. And I saw a lot of Dustin Johnson. He is known as one of the, as the biggest hitter on the tour. I was very impressed with his demeanor throughout. And trust me when I tell you, he is someone to be heard from in the next two weeks. He is in the hunt. And here's what he had to say about uh, FedEx Cup points. You know, now at the points, you know, you just want to really just get yourself in a good position going into Atlanta. And, you know, that's the biggest key. So, you know, as long as I play pretty well the next next couple of weeks, you know, I should be in the, you know, the top couple of positions. And, you know, that's all you want to be, you know, going into Atlanta. It doesn't matter if you're one or five, really, going into Atlanta. If you, if you get it done there, then you take on the $10 million. And Atlanta, of course, is the next stop in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And, uh... Of course, with the last two weeks here, the FedEx Cup now has all the top players in the world uh, competing. And here's what Dustin Johnson had to say about uh, the top players in the world. You know, this, these are one of the few events where you get, you know, all the top, you know, 100 or 125 or 
up the top 70 on the FedEx Cup where you get all those guys playing at one time. So that's, that's why it makes it harder. There's only, you know, four each year. So it's a lot harder to win when you only got four tournaments each year. So it should be a great final couple tournaments for the uh, for the FedEx Cup playoffs. A great format that's now uh, you know has a few years under its belt, and I think is really really starting to hold take hold. It certainly felt that way, uh, you know, being there all week at the Deutsche Bank Cla- uh, Championship, and it's going to be fun to watch. And just as a final uh, postscript to the tournament. Uh, You'll remember last week, all my listeners, that uh, I played a tremendous soundbite from William McGirt, one of the uh, golfers on the tour, and I watched him coming off the 18th green on Monday, and they kind of go through a tunnel-like area off the 18th where it's now become tradition where groups of kids assemble and many players stop and sign autographs, and some players even uh, give out some booty. And I made it a point to be there when William McGirt came off the green since, uh, again, I was so impressed in his press conference last week that I played on my show. And needless to say, he did not disappoint as he gave one of the kids his hat that he had worn that day on Monday, the final day of the tournament. He's the only player I saw do that. And... Kids were screaming and asking for anything he had, and he just reached into his pocket, pulled out all his tees. First he asked him, is our tees all right? And they, all, of course, all said yes, and he was just giving tees to every kid in sight. And it was just a great scene. So I'm a fan of William McGirt, and uh, and I think uh, he, he's, he is going to be heard from uh, moving forward as well because he has a pretty good game. So once again, it's time to take our break and to join the show. Uh, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. And joining us next will be A.P. Stedham from Bama Magazine, as in Alabama, to discuss the Penn State-Alabama game tomorrow. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Super Bowl champ Lionel Dalton is taking to the Internet airwaves with his own brand of sports talk. You'll go inside the mind of the players and find out if blacklisting really happens, what their thoughts are on training camps, where the former NFL players are now, and why being drafted by the wrong NFL team can kill a promising player's career. Lionel will also cover what's up with the Baltimore Ravens. Tune in to Sports Talk with Lionel Dalton live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 
346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And joining us on the line now is my pleasure to introduce A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, as in Alabama, who is literally driving through the state of Pennsylvania on his way to State College to cover tomorrow's huge Penn State-Alabama game. And uh, welcome, AP. And we first met at the NFL Draft in April, where we talked that night about the Nittany Lions-Crimson Tide game tomorrow. Hard to believe that the game is upon us. And frankly, I wish I was in the car with you on the way to the game. Oh, thank you for having me there, John. Yes, it was a pleasant evening at the NFL Draft. And these games against uh, between Alabama and Penn State have really been close and exciting, most of them. And the crowds really have a healthy respect for each other's program. And uh, Joe Paterno, he's a legendary figure in the, in the hearts of Alabama people also. And the people from Alabama really look forward to coming up here uh, when they have a chance. And it, there's only 5,000 tickets given to Alabama. They probably could have given them 20. And 20,000, they all would have came up. Well, I have no doubts about that, AP. And, you know, as we discussed the night of the NFL draft when we met, you know, I grew up a half hour from Penn State, selling pop, as they call it, uh, at Beaver <laughs> Stadium. And I've been to dozens and dozens of games in my life. And uh, so my first question is obvious. Have you ever been to a game at Happy Valley? I sure have, John. You know, they had the 10-year contract in the 80s, and so I went to those five games in the 80s and enjoyed every single visit. And there was rain on a couple of occasions, but it turned out okay. Uh, one of them, I remember, in 1987, early in September, so the weather was kind of like it is now. It was hot, so you didn't mind that little bit of moisture in the air to kind of cool you off. Well, tomorrow you're going to see a whiteout, something that has <laughs> come about since the 1980s, and frankly, I just absolutely love it that, uh, you know, that, that's become a part of now Penn State lore. And uh, have you ever been to Beaver Stadium during a whiteout? I don't think I, I I don't think I have John. This will be my first time. It'll be interesting because I think the Alabama people they've all been instructed to have a heavy dose of crimson on on their you know, clothing. Crimson indeed. Uh, well, just trust me uh, that you know I personally have not had the pleasure of a whiteout, but uh, I know many 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 people who have been there, and they said it is truly truly something special. So. Uh, I think you're in for a treat, but you've already had a treat this week, which was uh, being participating in the teleconferences of both Joe Paterno and Nick Saban. Uh, why don't we start off with your thoughts on uh, on Joe Paterno's teleconference this week with the media? Oh, oh, sure. Um, my interest with uh, Joe Paterno, the question that I asked was, what is unique about playing against the Nick Saban team? And it was interesting because he, he kind of echoed this, the statements of Nick Saban. Both, both coaches uh, said that they, they're sound fundamentally and they tackle well and they, they don't make very many mistakes. And if you make an error in judgment or a technique, the other team will take advantage of, of you. So that was uh, interesting to hear them both speak to the same question but have essentially the same answer. One thing I did detect at Joe Paterno's uh, teleconference during Joe Patron's teleconference was he fears the speed of Alabama. He really emphasized, you know, maybe they're not the biggest guys, but they they look like football players. They they hit like football players, and that speed comes comes with their size. So he really has a fear and healthy respect for 
SEC uh, football. And I think one of the things, uh, I, I think Penn State definitely has speed. I, I don't think maybe they see as much of it on a, a regular basis playing in the Big Ten. I think that's the difference. Uh, you're not used to that type of speed every week. Uh, so those are some of the things I uh, heard in Joe Paterno's press conference. And another thing was they have the two-quarterback system like Alabama. They're trying to find out who's really going to take control of their offense. So uh, well, Alabama, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. That leads right into a point I wanted to make before we get to your thoughts on Nick Saban's press conference. But my point is, my theory, if you will, is that, needless to say, I watched last year's game from Tuscaloosa and Rob Bolden, the highly touted freshman quarterback at the time, uh, you know, went into uh, Tuscaloosa and, frankly, in my mind, had never seen anything like he saw that night as far as the crowd and the overall setting. So my theory, if you will, is that, uh, and I said this a year ago, believe me, when I knew they were playing this game tomorrow in Happy Valley, uh, is simply that, you know, the, the two young rookie, if you will, Alabama quarterbacks like Bolden last year in Tuscaloosa, they've never seen anything like they're going to see tomorrow. 110,000 people, the whiteout, which is, by the way, everybody in the stadium wearing white, uh, and I think they're going to have real trouble with it. What's your reaction to that theory of mine? You know, I, I totally agree. The shoe's on the other foot this year for Alabama. Uh, when you get up to a, a stadium that's that loud with that many people, Nick Saban, he actually mentioned that possibility of, of keeping focus during the game. He, that's a challenge his team will face, and especially his young quarterbacks. They're going to have to use those hand signals, and everybody's going to be have, the communication wires on the same wavelength. Uh, if you get up against Penn State, young quarterback throws an interception, Penn State gets a field goal, it's 10 nothing. you're down 10 nothing. that's young quarterback, you don't know what's going to happen. They might be rattled. Uh, you just don't know how they're going to uh, perform. I, I agree totally with your assessment because last year you said that I think uh, young Robert Bolton was overwhelmed. Uh, now whether uh, A.J. AJ McCarron, the the starting quarterback for Alabama, he's kind of has a gunslinger mentality. So I don't. I'm really interested to see what he's going to do on the field tomorrow. And young Philip Sims came from a winning, winning program in Virginia, and but this is his first year, his first time on the road, a nationally ranked opponent. And that's those are the that's a key question in tomorrow's game. And if, if it's answered in Alabama's favor, then they'll have a good chance. But if it goes the other way, then Alabama's uh, spectacular defense will really be tested. Yeah, well, I think we're going to have a very good idea uh, in the first quarter, which is, of course, when the game was decided last year in Tuscaloosa. And uh, now let's move on to the Nick Saban press conference. I am a big Nick Saban fan, and the reason is is because uh, I was a newspaper editor in West Virginia, where he's from, and I covered the Mountaineers for a couple years in both football and basketball. And although Nick doesn't have a, a West Virginia University connection per se, he's a West Virginia guy. And if you're in West Virginia, trust me, you're well within the shadow that Penn State casts uh, here in, in the mid-Atlantic states. And uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Nick Saban's press conference this week? Yeah, he, he spoke about uh, going into that arena because he has never won, John, against Penn State. He's played there twice, one game, I believe, a three-point 
contest, the uh, Michigan State team lost, and the other one was, I believe, 23 points. So he has yet to beat Joe Paterno in that environment, so he, he knows the challenges. Uh, he, he, one thing he brought up, there's a young fellow that made it to camp late at Alabama. He was getting his grades uh, passed through the clearinghouse through the NCA, and his name is Deron Carter. He is the son of Chris Carter, the Ohio State uh, great. Uh, Deron was a freshman at Ohio State two years ago. He had a pretty good season for them. He was academically ineligible for the Rose Bowl against Oregon. He transferred and went to junior college in Coffeyville, Kansas, and uh, he just arrived on, on uh, you know, was able to practice about a week or so ago. So I'm really interested to see if, how much he will play and how much he will contribute because one of the senior receivers for Alabama, he was trying to gain back some eligibility from his freshman year. He played a few plays as a freshman, and the NCAA said, okay, you, you'll have this fifth year, but you have to sit out two games. And, uh, Darius Hanks is his name, uh, senior wide receiver, so he won't be playing this game. So uh, they're looking for people to step up and perform uh, against the good Penn State team. So that's something I'm really interested to see Deron Carter on the field for the very first time. And matter of fact, John, he'll be wearing the number eight, and for the Alabama fans, that was Julio Jones' number last year. He, Big shoes to fill, but that's something he's used to with his father, Chris, of course. Uh, right. Uh, well-known uh, star receiver from the NFL and now, of course, uh, seen constantly and frequently on ESPN football coverage. And uh, AP, why don't we just uh, close on the Alabama discussion with you talking about their absolutely spectacular defense. You know, they've got nine starters returning, uh, John. And last year, uh, well, for instance, the four defensive backs, I believe, will all be playing in the NFL someday. Uh, last year, a few of the players, that was their first year of starting. So although they had the physical talent, you still have to work cohesively as a unit, and there were some breakdowns last year. They led the league, the SEC, in defense, but there were some breakdowns at crucial points. But this year, I think they're all on the same page, and that one-year experience uh, will you know, make them a formidable, formidable secondary. you got three linebackers, Courtney Upshaw, uh, outstanding player, uh, all-star caliber, Dante Hightower, this is his third year starting. He's an all-star caliber player. And uh, Nico Johnson started as a freshman on the national championship team when Dante Hightower was injured. Uh, and then there's a young, young linebacker, C.J. Mosley, who played as a true freshman last year. He returned a couple uh, passes uh, for touchdowns. He's a, he's a tackling machine, a real smart player. And uh, so you got those the backers, the linebackers and the defensive backs are quality players. And um, on, the, on the defensive line, Alabama brought in a couple of junior college players. One was from Arizona, up in Arizona, junior college. He's from Australia. Jesse Williams, he's quite a talented player, and the other one, uh, uh, they brought him from a junior college in Mississippi, a uh, really good ball player in Dial. So the defensive line has had problems in the last few years getting to the passer. That's been a point of emphasis this year. Uh, some of the Penn State people will know this name when I bring it up. Uh, Sal Sanceri, who played at Pittsburgh, was a, was a, uh, the captain of the University of Pittsburgh in the 80s. He's in sure. charge of the defensive line, and he, he's trying to get the uh, defensive line to get after that quarterback a little bit more than in the past, so they don't have to bring up the safety to blitz or the linebackers. So that's a, that's a point of emphasis. 
So they've got quite a bit of talent, you know, that's going to play in the next you know, the next level, but they're trying to gel this year. They're really trying to redeem themselves for some of the errors of last year. But physically, there's no question they have the talent to, to dominate. They can dominate. So it would be interesting to see how they're going to play on the road and see if they're going to be tested, put in position to be uh, in difficult positions by these young quarterbacks of Alabama. Well, sure to be great theater, uh, appointment television from where I'm sitting, obviously. And uh, and before we let you go and resume your drive down uh, Route 81 near Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is where you happen to be at this moment, uh, tell me, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about Bama Magazine, uh, who you write for. Oh, sure. Uh, the magazine is actually over 30 years old, John, and the publisher of the magazine is Kurt McNair. Kurt McNair was the sports information director for Coach Bryant. So if you're ever in the state of Alabama and you just mentioned Kurt McNair, most folks will, will know who you're talking about because he, he's well-respected in the industry. And uh, We have 10 magazines that are published uh, throughout the year, one each month, and then there's a couple of recruiting guides that go along with that in, in football preview magazines. And then, of course, it's online at famamag.com. And there's always stories about recruiting, extensive recruiting information. There's stories about all the athletic endeavors at the University of Alabama. The Timberland Wings, we're covering it. You know, we'll get around to it eventually. It may not be at the top of the list, but it'll be covered. Uh, and there's message boards. And the, the Alabama people, they're very uh, intelligent as far as their football team and, and their athletics. Nothing gets past them. If there's something that's happening, you're, you're, you're bound to find it on the message boards and, and uh, you know, you can check on the website and order the magazine or you can call and order at 888-979-0979. And we'd, uh, we'd welcome all the Penn State people to get on the message board, too. We'd like to discuss football and all their athletic endeavors. Well, that's terrific. Uh, you know, I think we're all going to be jumping on there uh, sometime after 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh to read, uh, to read what you have to say about the game. I know I'm going to check it out. And uh, yeah, well, I think it's just great, uh, great that you're going. I of course uh, have mixed memories of all the year great games uh, Penn State and Alabama have played. Specifically, 1979. I can still visualize Mike Gooman being stacked at the goal line, uh, thereby costing Penn State a shot at the national championship that year. Bear. Uh, Bear Bryant was, of course, the coach of Alabama, and they have, they just have a history of playing just fabulous games, and I got the feeling uh, that tomorrow is going to be yet another one in the, and uh, what has really turned out to be a classic intersectional rivalry. I, I believe so, John, and I think all the rivalries should have the, the temperament of this particular one. There's a healthy respect between the fans and the coaches and the players. And, and, you know, compete, and that's what it's all about. And, and all the other shenanigans uh, should be left someone else. Well, terrific. Well, AP, I'll let you get back to the wheel. And uh, once again, thank you so much for, uh, you know, for calling in. Uh, you've enlightened our listeners and me uh, tremendously and really has me totally juiced up now for the game which i believe me was pretty juiced up for for the past oh 364 days or so and uh 
enjoy it tomorrow. And again, we will look forward to, uh, you know, having you again soon to talk Alabama. And uh, again, have a great drive and have a great time tomorrow. Thank you so much, John, and, and I wish all your audience well, and then be safe tomorrow. All right. Thank you. And uh, that was A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And now we will uh, take our break. And joining us uh, next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouye and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And joining us now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Welcome, Barry. And uh, what did you think last night of the fabulous NFL opener? I, 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 you know, it was certainly entertaining, a great game to watch. Not a whole lot of defense being played, but, but that's okay. I mean, you have two of the more, uh, high-powered offenses in the league, and, you know, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a better way to start the season, really. I mean, it was just exciting from beginning to end, and, you know, a, a terrific ending to the game. Um, I'm, I'm not so sure about that, uh, that, uh, pass interference penalty in the end zone. It looked like, uh, AJ Hawk got a, got, did get a piece of that ball. At least the way the way I saw it, but uh, it wound up not mattering as the, uh, the Packers uh, stone Mark Ingram on the line. So, uh, but just a, just a tremendous football game and uh, a wonderful start to the season. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, everybody else in the league is going to have a lot to uh, uh, a lot to look uh, a lot to look forward to, and I'll get a lot of living up to do to kind of keep pace with that one. Um, you know, certainly the return games I thought were huge for both teams. You're going to see. You're going to see both these teams return a few kicks this year, I think. I think the addition of Sproles to the Saints, uh, a huge addition. And uh, Mr. Randall Cobb looked pretty good running kicks back to the Packers, too. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's uh, as I said, a terrific start to the season. Oh, it was wonderful. Randall Cobb made rookie history with his uh, spectacular performance. And uh, you, of course, are headed down for 
to New York City uh, for a weekend of working at the New York Post. And on Sunday night, there's a big game going on down there, of course. New York Jets hosting Dallas Cowboys as part of the NFL kickoff weekend. Uh, what's the mood down in New York for that game? Well, you know, the, a lot of people excited about the Jets this year. Um, you know, uh, and a lot of that's coming from within. Of, you know, Rex Ryan likes to talk. And, you know, I, I think we're kind of getting to the point, at least for where I sit, uh, you know, if you, if you talk to Jet fans, they may feel differently about it. I'm not sure. But from where I sit, I think it's kind of time for, you know, the Jets to stop talking about winning and maybe win. You know, talk about uh, talk about winning Super Bowls. So let's, let's, let's get to one first. And then... Uh, then maybe you can talk about it a little bit. But, you know, this is – I almost think of this year as kind of like a put-up-or-shut-up year for Rex Ryan and the Jets because, uh, you know, as, as we know, uh, you know, as, as you certainly aware of being up in, uh, up in the Boston area, you know, uh, quite a rivalry with the Patriots. And, you know, I think there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of angst there, you know, going both ways. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's really on the Jets this year, and I think Rex has brought a lot of that on himself to, you know, really – have the team take that next step, but you know certainly opening on national TV and national stage uh, on 9/11 on on a Sunday night uh, against the Cowboys, the whole nation will be watching. It's going to be a great test, I think, for both teams. So uh, you know, again, another big uh, big sports weekend coming up. Um, you know, obviously the NFL starting up. You know, great college football games. You know, U.S. Open is going to be finishing up too. So be a very 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 busy sports weekend on on all oh. fronts. I think. Absolutely, and as you know, I always like to make my uh, weekend sports viewing picks. And aside from Penn State, Alabama tomorrow at three thirty, of course, uh, Jets Cowboys right behind it on Sunday night, and uh, Steelers Ravens as well. Uh, on I'll be watching on NFL Red Zone uh, Sunday at one. And uh, yeah, you know, um, speaking of the U.S. Open, I. Is it ever going to stop raining? I, it, it stopped up here in Boston, so I assume that means it's sunny in New York and they're going to get them in somehow, right? I would think so. I mean, we might say a situation where you might have both uh, both finals the same day if it, uh, you know if, if they can't keep everything uh, caught up. But uh, the weather report for the rest of the week looks pretty good, so uh, you know, we hope we hope it uh, it holds up. I think uh, later on during the week there might be some issues. Um, you know, Sunday's actually, today's going to be nice. Uh, tomorrow should be okay. Sunday's looking actually a little questionable, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they can go on to Monday or how that's going to work. You know, usually they have pretty good luck with weather at the U.S. Open, but, uh, with all the hurricanes and tropical storms, uh, coming up the East Coast the past couple of weeks, there's been, uh, you know, wreaked havoc on, on baseball schedules, on tennis and everything else. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, like I said, it's going to be a very busy sports weekend. For sure. Yeah, what has been crazy weather. I mean, the truth is, uh, with Hurricane Irene, we had one one horrible, horrible day up here. But the truth is, the weather around it before and after was okay. Whereas uh, this hurricane that blew out into the Atlantic Ocean has brought four straight days of rain, Tuesday through really this morning. And, uh, you know, I just want to go back to football and... The big story, aside from what's the games being played on the field, is of course Peyton Manning's neck. Right here and there, Barry. Pain, pain in the neck, for, absolutely. Pain in the neck. Um, there you yeah. go. Um, yeah, I've read headlines or something. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, you know, and you know, I, I think you saw a lot of secrecy out of the Colts this week. I mean, very little was said 
until uh, very late in the week. Um, you know, they said that he would be down. You know, Peyton from the beginning was saying, oh, I'm going to play, I'm going to play. Then, well, you might not play, then he's doubtful, and well, you're out for this week. And now we're hearing that he's out for going to be, looks like about six weeks. He has another uh, surgical procedure done on his neck. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, there's some people that think he could miss the entire season. So, you know, quite a blow to the Colts, quite a blow to the NFL. Uh, Peyton, obviously, one of the more marketable players in the league, uh, endorsements, commercials, what have you. And, you know, certainly on, on the field, obviously. So, uh, you know, uh, the Colts are going to have to really uh, change on the fly here. Um, you know, I've, I've always liked Kerry Collins as a quarterback. I, I, I think he can play. Uh, you know, coming out of retirement, you know, it's going to be up to speed with everything going on. We'll have to wait and see about that. I don't think we're going to see, uh, you know, the, hit, the, the dramatics and histrionics of the line of scrimmage that, that, that Peyton always does. You know, different different type of offense. Quarterback, I think we're going to see more of a, uh, uh, shall we say, conventional type of offense uh, with Kerry Collins running it. Um, so, you know, that's not to say they won't be successful because they still have a good supporting cast. But, uh, you know, Austin Collie is one concussion away from being sidelined, and you never quite know. Reggie Wayne is slowed down. So it could be a very, very, very difficult uh, road for the, uh, for the Colts if, uh, if Manning is out. You know, certainly, you know, for any length of time, which it looks like he's going to be. So, uh, it's, uh, I think it's going to be tough for them. I really do. I, I totally agree. In fact, uh, you know, I've all, I believe that he is, uh, you know, going to miss for sure. It's obvious he's going to miss a couple months, and I believe his coming back will, if, if he's able to come back health wise, neck wise, I think it will be determined by where they are in the standings. And, uh, you know, from my viewpoint, I'm looking at a Patriots schedule right now and have tickets for the December 4th Sunday night game where the New England Patriots are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, if they're still in the hunt with even a chance and he's healthy, I wouldn't be at all surprised, given the timetable I've been hearing, if uh, that could be the night he returns. And I also agree with you, by the way, on Kerry Collins. Uh, as we just discussed in the third segment, I grew, I'm a big Penn State guy, and I attended the 1994 Rose Bowl, where Kerry Collins uh, finished off the job, leading Penn State to an undefeated uh, season that year. And by my calculations, and thankfully the New York Times, they were that year's national champion mm-hmm. team. So, yes, I'm a huge fan of Kerry Collins. Uh, and uh, I think he uh, may surprise some people and have the Colts in the hunt. Uh, keep the, keep the torch burning, shall we say, till Peyton returns, probably around you know late November or as I said, first game in December against the Patriots. Right, um, so. Barry. Any other? Let me ask about another game of huge interest and particular interest to me. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, on the Ravens Steelers game as we uh, as we close our show. Well, uh, as we saw, well the, the, well, the game we saw last night, it's not going to be like that at all. It's going to be probably the right. exact opposite. <laughs> you know, you got the two of the best defenses in the league, um, you know, going at it. And uh, you do have some talented uh, talented running attacks on both teams. You know, Ray Rice and Rashard Mendenhall, you know, both look like they're going to have very good years. But, you know, obviously a much different, uh, uh, different outlook for this game. You know, two of the top defenses in football, you banging heads. And uh, this should be a very low-scoring game. Of course, that said, 
fact, I said that's probably going to be 42 to 40. But anyway, I uh, yeah, I, I would fully expect a uh, a, a very uh, a very uh, very big defensive battle in this game. That would would not surprise anybody. I don't think. Um, so we'll see. You're not going to have a whole lot of firepower either way. Um, but uh, a lot of a lot of hard hits on defense. A lot of uh, a lot of a lot of good players on that side of the ball. You know, I think uh, in a game like this, a you know turnover or two at the wrong time will probably make the difference. So that that's the way I see that one. Yes, and given that the two have met the last two years in the playoffs uh, and the history all along the way of the past decade or so between the two. Uh, you know, this for my money, this is the easily the most intense rivalry in the NFL, and I think standing here today and with uh, Peyton Manning being, you know, in question, that you have to say it is now officially uh, the Ravens Steelers is the best rivalry in the NFL. Looking forward into this season because, of course, the Patriots Colts, which you could make the case has been the best rivalry this decade. Uh, you, you can't assume that that's going to be the same rivalry this year with Peyton Manning's uh, neck in question. And uh, anyway, it's just great to have football back. What else can you say? And Barry, I just want to thank you as always for taking the time to uh, to call in. And I'm sure you're going to have a busy weekend on the uh, on the desk of the New York Post. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite certain of that. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's a given on a week like this, to be sure. No doubt about it. But again, nothing like it. Glad to have football back. And Voice America will uh, want to thank you as always for listening to All Around Sports and have a great NFL kickoff weekend. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.